Hello, and welcome to episode 172 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today here with Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho! And Phil Foresca. Welcome back, all you honorary fuelagans. And the rock star extraordinaire himself, Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. You don't want to sing that in your 80s rock voice? You know I always want to sing everything I say in my 80s rock voice, but I didn't. <laughs> you, have, you have to keep it in check, otherwise, once you let the animal out for good, you can't put it away. Well, no one wants your animal out on the show, so we're going to leave it right there. Now, I do have a wonderful, beautiful, lovely announcement. Uh, Phil, you want to share your good news? We had a baby. Yeah. yeah. And she's first, awesome. First fuel, full-blooded Fueligan baby. We're so excited. So baby Isla Grace was born a little over a week ago, and she, she and mother are doing well. Phil, are you getting any sleep yet? Yeah, it's not. It's not as I feel like we're we're getting lucky compared to the horror stories that I've heard. Um, yeah. You know, three to four hour stretches are pretty darn good. Uh, it's not. It's not killing me too much, but I'm also not the one feeding her in the middle of the night, so I get to go back to bed. <laughs> it's a fluid situation, so there's easy times, and then there's times where you'll get like twelve minutes of sleep, and then you're right back up again. I'm afraid to wear my Fitbit to bed and have it read how much sleep I'm actually getting. Well, you'll, you'll get helpful tips like try to get more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, do, hey, do you want to share the um, amazing targeting that you got on uh, an ad on social media? Are you talking about the coffee one? I am. Yeah, so we got ads for Folgers saying um, something like, sleepless you have you know new baby and and new sleepless nights it's like okay all right folgers your, your yeah. coffee's the trash, targeting was yeah. good yeah i mean it's they're probably not playing playing to the right audience necessarily but i think you know that's one of those things where you can see life events in a lot of social channels especially facebook where you can see when people get engaged or married or whatever right and they're doing it on having a baby and it's it's great right they're thinking yeah, about how smart, this how's my brand how does my brand associate with that? And it, it's pretty good. You know, the good chances are that if you're a new parent, that you're getting less sleep and you might need more coffee. So I think what they should have done was exclude coffee snobs because I'm certainly not drinking that trash. <laughs> <laughs> so people that just had the life event of having a baby, but don't follow, you know, home, you know, ground coffee kind of stuff. Yeah, that'd probably be good. Oh, you're a, you're a snob in many regards. Hey, <laughs> I'm on the coffee snob wagon too, so I got I can't say anything. There you go. All right, so should we tell people listening what what our episode is about today? So I forget whose idea was this. Your idea, Pete? Yeah. So we it's... we're going to be talking about things we're thankful for, and then things we're wishing for for the next year. So we're each going to do three three things that over the past you know, nine, well, really the past year, but really during COVID in this terrible, awful, very bad year that we've had, um, some of the silver linings, the things that have actually been a positive in our lives and um, for our company. And then we're also going to be looking forward and saying, hey, 
is a hollow wish, what we hope for in the future as well. So, yeah, we can do this in Fueligan fashion. We'll go round the table, discuss, pull them apart, and have some fun doing it. Sound like a plan? Love it. It's the good news episode, everybody. Yeah. John Krasinski is going to sue us. (laughs) So before we do that, Pete, you weren't here last week, so you you didn't get to sing the jingle. The week before, you did the amazing... um, Amazing rock star version. So we're all waiting with bated breath to see what happens this week when you do the News of jingle. So what's going on, Pete, in the News of With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for News of I didn't know I had to come up with a special one. I would have done like a Christmas. Back to basics. It's yeah. okay. Back to basics. Fundamentals. You should never forget your fundamentals. That That's yeah. foreshadowing for one of my um, my later points. So. I could have like old Christmas news or something like that, but I didn't. <laughs> well, the news isn't really Christmas related per se. No, so. it's not. All right, so let's let's see what is actually going on in the news news this week. I found one. Um, so this is reported, not necessarily confirmed by Disney, but apparently Disney is uh, digitally adding masks to rider photos when the rider is not wearing a mask like they're supposed to. So they were, Disney was not allowing people to purchase their ride photos if someone on the ride wasn't wearing a mask. Uh, And they solved that problem by digitally adding masks after the fact in bad bad Photoshop fashion. So um, the the, the one photo I saw was was pretty darn funny uh, and quite clearly Photoshopped. Um, But... I think the the idea here is that, you know, Disney wants to normalize mask wearing. They want people to see these photos, to know that masks are required uh, to ride their rides. Um, so so I get the, the idea behind it, and, and my kind of takeaway was there. Um, for, for, from a hotel perspective, you, you might want to take this and, and try it yourself using photos on your homepage and your social media of guests who are inside on your property uh, wearing their masks um, just to let other guests know that, you know, again, masks are required. Let let them know that people who are at your property wear masks and it might alleviate some of that fear of other guests like we saw in our study. Yeah. Yeah. John Pete, have your rant. I mean, don't assume that all your guests are, are in the same bucket. Show guests having a good time. If they're not wearing a mask, they're not wearing a mask. But adhere to your your area's guidelines, your city's rules and laws and whatnot, and, and what you've put in place for your property. But anytime you fake something, to me that comes across as just marketing no. It, it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Yeah, and I think that's my issue with it. Like, I, I, that regardless of the fact it's about masks, which is a, a controversial subject, you know, I think Disney has the right as a business to say you have to wear a mask on our rides, and if you don't, then maybe you you lose some of your privileges. And if they choose not to sell you a photo because you chose to break the rules and not wear a mask, I think that's totally fair for for Disney to do and might alienate what? someone. I think that the uh, the the thing that they were probably losing a bunch of money on is because 
you know, one one person's not wearing a mask on the entire ride. That means everybody who was also on that on that car or whatever, they don't get to then purchase their photo because Disney is not letting them because someone wasn't wearing a mask. So it's pretty backwards, but it's it's backwards thinking because they're trying to solve the problem of lost revenue by you know hacking at it and, and doing it in a disingenuous way by by doing this. And and I think some bright guy wrote an algorithm to automate this and thought they were going to make bazillions of dollars selling this to, to Disney and someone fell for it. But you're making a bad situation worse. But because I hadn't really, I wasn't aware that they weren't selling. It wasn't something that had really hit mainstream media that I was aware of that they weren't selling these um, things. Uh, the, the photos, if you no one was, or someone wasn't wearing a mask, but now it's like, this is blown up because they're trying to kind of falsify the truth. This is like their own version of fake news in a way. So, to me, the better approach would be if this is your standard, then you need to enforce masks on your ride. And that's your that's prerogative. That's what I'm confused about. You know? Why don't you just tell everyone you have to wear a mask on the ride? And if you don't, you don't ride the rides, period. I mean, that's 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 up to you as a business to make that decision. That's the way they should have handled it instead of this half-assed backwards way. It, it's just, it makes no sense. It, it feels very un-Disney to do something like this. Well, it's very like 1984. It's like, oh, we'll fix this. You know, now everyone's wearing a mask. We can make people wear masks 10 years ago if we wanted to. Yeah. Mm. I want to go there with a a flesh-colored mask so it's not going to look like I have one on and see what happens. Yeah, what happens with all those masks <laughs> that are made to look like celebrity or some kind of funny face? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that the whole mask thing, I'm tired of talking about masks. I think, you know. People have made up their their minds. People you like people are idiots. Now. People like Melissa are smart, and we just need to move on. So I'm just kidding, Pete. I don't really think you're an idiot for that. You're an idiot for much other bigger <laughs> reasons than that. Do we have any other news or news today? Nope, that was the only one I popped in there because I thought it was interesting and and a little silly. All right. Fun stuff. All right, so let's let's keep the silliness going, and we'll start talking about some of the things that we are thankful for over the past year or so. And um, who wants to kick it off? Let's go around the table. Well, I, I guess I can kick it off since I kind of threw this on you guys. So the very first thing that I'm thankful wait, wait. for is this it, your number one or your number three? Oh, this is my. I don't have the number. I thought we were just kind of going through them, but anyway, this is my number one. Let's say I'm thankful for all the efficiencies that we have found over the course of 2020. And what I mean by that was, even for fuel specifically, at the beginning of the year, we had no less than three video conferencing systems. We had unnecessary software. We had all these things that were all so important to us at this time, you know, 11 months ago. And now we've found better ways of doing things. We've realized that we can use Google Meet for all of our video conferencing, and it works just as well, if not better. And you see the same thing on the hotel side as well, where you become you know, more efficient. You've found how to remove the things that aren't helping your guests and aren't helping your property. And, and you remove those and you're still doing just as well as you could be otherwise. That's going to be great as it comes into next year when we can hopefully start moving forward. So efficiencies is my thing I'm thankful for. Yeah, I like that one. I think it's it's very true because there's a lot of things that we're like, oh, let's spend 50 bucks a month on this tool or 
whatever. And, and we've just gone away from that mindset completely. And it, it's amazing how much, I mean, if I just look at our, um, you know, costs of goods sold and how much it's come down over the last 12 months. And we really haven't lost the ability to do what we do. You know, there's there's not a meaningful impact in any way on, on uh, to our clients, certainly. Maybe a little bit of inefficiency here and there on our side. But we, we've saved a lot of money. We've learned new ways, to your point, to do stuff. And it's I think we're a lot stronger coming out of this than we were at the beginning of it, for sure. I'll go next. Because it's sort of kind of related to what Pete said. Um I am thankful for my number one, which is our ability to save our clients a whole bunch of money on their car insurance. <laughs> you, well, Melissa, you know we don't sell car insurance, right? We don't sell car insurance. We transitioned our clients away from a paid analytics solution to fully embracing the freeness of Google Analytics. Now, with all the caveats of this has given me and my team a whole bunch of agita, but long term, this was the right thing to do. Like this was a lot of lot of man hours and stress and all the things, but long term, it was the right thing to do both for us and our clients. And if you think about hotels and their tech stack, and maybe you have a sucky booking engine. You know, sometimes you got to suck it up and get rid of that sucking booking engine and switch to something else. It's not going to be easy, but big picture, long term, worth the effort. And you, we've missed some things, but most of the things that we were afraid we were going to miss weren't weren't a factor at all. You know, there's a lot of things that were you know either not necessarily vanity metrics, but metrics we like to know but weren't actually relevant to anything we do. And there were noise. And yeah. that's gone now. Yeah, and I, I think I like this one a lot. There's there's a lot of things that are on your to-do list that have always been at the bottom of your to-do list, and they never float up to the top. And, and it could be your sucky booking engine. It could be, hey, I've got this this report I have to create every month for my boss, and you know, there's a bunch of manual stuff, and I know if I spent an hour or two I could probably automate some of this and, and save a bunch of time every month from here on out. But I just, it's never the month to do it. So I think, you know, we've tried at Fuel, I've tried personally, and I think we've encouraged a lot of our clients to to take this opportunity, even though we're busy, even though there's a lot going on, to prioritize the things that are going to have the biggest long-term impact. And, and so, yeah, this is, I mean, it was a tough decision for us to make. To, to multiple Adobe Analytics, but it was the right one. Um, ultimately, did save our clients a lot of money. You know, cost caused a lot of work internally for us to kind of rejigger the reports and how we track things in GA. But um, my goodness, it's going to save everyone a lot in the long term. So, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Thanks. What about you, Philip? My number one 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 was. Um, I feel like guest communication improved uh, on the hotelier side and I'm thankful for that. So I think the whole crisis made hotels aware that they, they really need to be active in their communication with guests. Um, it, though it seems kind of obvious, I just don't think there are many hotels that were, were doing it or not, at least not to this level pre 2020. Um, but COVID restrictions, new policies that absolutely had to be communicated 
were being communicated. And it opened up that line of communication or multiple lines of communication between the hotelier and the guests. Um, and kind of what I'm hoping is that this translates into increased communication of, you know, things like things to do or things going on at the property, nearby events, all of that type of stuff that you should be communicating with your guest. Well, now you know how to do it because you've had to do it with really, really, really important information. Now it's, you should be doing that with the kind of important information, but just opening that line of communication, I thought was was useful. So my my one's very similar to that. Um, so my number one, 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 and then we can kind of unpack yours and mine together. Was I, I really like the fact? I think it's been healthy for the industry that we've had to be we've been forced to get back to fundamentals and be more deliberate with what we do. Um, and that's what you're talking about, right? Communication, one-to-one communication is very much the cornerstone of, of everything you do as a property from a marketing perspective. Um, but we couldn't do it in the same way we used to do. We used to sp- send like these blanket emails to a bunch of people or we'd run a PPC campaign to a wide audience and those and capitalize on the demand that existed. And we just couldn't do that this year. We've had to get scrappy. We've had to find new ways to connect with people to reassure people to um, compel them to want to travel like and, and it's it's been difficult but it I think people see that it's effective and having to be deliberate and, and go after smaller segments of audience and build your base you know one person at a time versus 10 people at a time has been a challenge but I think ultimately we're fundamentally better marketers for having gone through this, you know, and how, how many times they've had conversations with people this year, I've lost count, where people said, you know, I used to think marketing was hard this time last year, and I had no idea what I was talking about, because now it's it's way more challenging, and it's right, but it, it, it also, this year is going to set us up for a lot more success in the future if we've embraced that mentality moving forward. Absolutely. You know, and I don't want to jump the gun, but my number two was recognizing the value of each individual guest and how we've all become boutique hoteliers in a sense of every guest matters. You have to talk to each guest individually. And if a single guest cancels, you want to work with them and create that relationship to get that guest back to your property. It's pretty much exactly what Stuart, what you and Phil both said, but uh, we're all thinking along the same lines here. My, my number two kind of builds off that, but I'll let Melissa go first. Oh, my number two has nothing to do with anything that you've said. All right, I'll so go Phil, for you it. go. Okay, I'll go for it. So I, I was kind of almost piggybacking on that. And my number two was the hospitality industry learned how to be hospitable again. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, some of this was done out of fear of bad reviews uh, that hotels started showing some empathy, but it felt like a lot of hoteliers got out of that, you know, solely caring about profits and losses and, and truly caring about the guests and, and, you know, their fellow citizens. Um, so, you know, we saw a ton of hotels starting to allow flexible cancellations or free cancellations, um, which is now seemingly the, the industry norm, which is, you know, a good thing. It's, it's, it's better for the consumer. Um, and you know we saw we saw a bunch of hotels offering discounts and, and free stays to frontline healthcare workers. They were they were doing things out of goodwill. Uh, they were doing things that were again hospitable. So 
so keeping that always at the forefront of your mind as a hotelier is when we preach it all the time, but I feel like the, the impact of that was, was learned by the industry this year. Yeah. When you think about it, all the things that have changed like that aren't going to go away from a guest perspective and from hotelier's perspective, it, it is a different world moving forward and things aren't always going to go back to the normal because going back to a complicated cancellation policy is now going to be seen as taking something away from a guest. So we've adapted. We're just going to keep it this way as well. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how quickly things people try to push back, you know, once we've sort of quote unquote back to normal, but I, I agree. I think we've, we've learned a lot this, this year and that kind of leads into my next one, which is I, I really have appreciated the value of education this year. Um, you know, we we couldn't have been as effective as we were as a company. Our, our pro- properties that we work with couldn't have been as successful had we not spent a lot of time learning and, you know, in the form of, you know, research, the travel studies we've done. Um, so it, it's it's been really valuable. I mean, we always at Fuel, you know, part of our Fuelgan DNA is is one of a, a thirst for knowledge, right? We want to continue to improve ourselves and, and learn. And I feel like we've ratcheted that up to an 11 this year because we had to. We had to reinvent everything. And um, just understanding what consumers' mindset was and seeing how quickly that changed and then learning to adapt to those needs, again, is something that I think we're, we're going to be better poised and stronger as an organization. Our clients are going to be more effective moving forward because I think that's something we won't forget and we'll continue to do. And then related to that, this is kind of to, to be, but um, the, the value that we've, you know, and I say we as mostly you guys have contributed to the industry in the form of your thought leadership, the studies that Melissa and the team have put together. I really am proud of what has been accomplished you know i think we've made a meaningful dent in the hospitality universe this this year so many people have come to me and said i read your study or i listened to the podcast that you did on x and it really helped me we've had people say literally that they felt like our um the business may have gone under had it not been for some of the ideas that we we provided to them so kudos to you guys um i think the foundation of that though is education the fact that we as a group have educated ourselves and then educated others has been something that I've been really proud of and really thankful for this year. Well, damn it, Stuart, you stole my number two. (laughs) (laughs) My number two was our sentiment studies, because I also feel very, very strongly about the fact that we've been able to keep our finger on the pulse of what our consumers are feeling and thinking during this whole process and how it's changed over time. And to be able to put that out there, as you said, Stuart, and so many people that actually found this data to be helpful and were able to make decisions based on it, uh, to me, that was pretty awesome. Not to mention, you know, the exposure through, you know, personally that I've gotten through HSMAI and through Lauren Gray's show has been really great. And I'm going to plug a new group that may apply to some of our listeners out there. If you are female, uh, I've stumbled across this on LinkedIn as some of my outreach and 
things that have come across my eyeballs, and it is the Women in Hospitality and Travel Tech Group. So if you are a female listening to this podcast, that might be something you might want to check out on LinkedIn. Yeah, I, there's a lot of positive movement in, related to, you know, um, inclusion and equity in this industry right now. And I think that, you know, a lot of female centric groups are, are, are setting the, the standard there and there's other groups following. But you know, one of the stats I heard last week, which was really shocking, was of, of all of the casualties in the hospitality industry through COVID, you know, the layoffs and furloughs and people losing their jobs, too, close to two-thirds of those have been women, which is shocking, right, considering, you know, there's certainly not two-thirds of the workforce. So um, there's that inequity. There's the inequity in ownership in, in hotels, you know, heavily leans towards men as well. So it's good to see these kind of movements going on. And um, actually, the Plug Lawrence show next week, uh, is he's he's having a group on that are again advocates of women in hospitality as well. So yeah, definitely I would I would uh, reinforce that sentiment that Melissa shared. And I also add it's been fun watching you spread your wings this year, Melissa, and growing confidence <laughs> and getting your face out there and your voice out there and your thought leadership out there. It's been really really great to watch. And to count how many times I can say, do you have a sucky booking engine? <laughs> that should be a bingo drinking game thing, I think. Uh, to be to be fair, that is now on your on your bingo card. Um, <laughs> but also to be fair, it's their fault because they shouldn't have a sucky booking engine and you wouldn't have to say it so yeah. much. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So we've all done our number twos, right? Yes. That's like right. Pete, you're num- number three. All right, so I was torn on my number three because I can only have one left. Uh, Mm. So the way we've adapted to having smaller workforces and having to do a lot more with less, I really am thankful for the software and automation that we have enabled for our clients and even for ourselves. It's shown us how efficient we can actually be by taking the things that were repetitive off of our plates and you know moving that to you know automation systems via you know your CRM platform, uh, you know software and automation through that booking process to optimize booking engines. It's just we've done a lot more with the technology we have to make it so that our marketing efforts can go toward what is truly human and necessary for us to be focused on and not just the administrative stuff. So that's something I'm happy for. Yeah, doing more than with less has been kind of the mantra for a lot of people this year. And and, and I think in some cases it's gone too far, right? People have been asked to work ungodly hours and burn themselves out. But but I think, yeah, trying to find opportunities to optimize and improve and automate where it makes sense. COVID's been an accelerator of that. And, and so, again, it's stuff that I think will stick beyond the pandemic. So good one. Anyone else want to go? Phil, you want to do your number? Well, Melissa, you want to do your number three? I'll do my number three. This is maybe a little self-serving, perhaps. <laughs> but I am super happy and grateful for this podcast. Oh. I think that, you know, again, similar to the sentiment studies, I feel like we are spreading some important things and people 
are listening and hopefully taking advantage of some of the knowledge that we're putting out there and making a difference in the hospitality community. And if you yeah. agree with Melissa, go ahead and leave us a review. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you don't like the knowledge, hopefully you like the sense of humor. So something for everyone. Yeah. That was a good one, Melissa. Yeah, I'm thankful for this show too. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's been interesting because we've been doing this show for a long time. And, um, you know, I think especially at the very beginning of COVID, where we went into overdrive and we were producing, what, three, four episodes a week at one point there early yeah, on. Because just our heads were spinning as, as much as everyone else's, you know, and we just felt like, one, we had a responsibility because we had this platform and thousands of people listen to every week. But two... You know, we, we didn't know either. Like, we, we were as much in the dark as ever, everyone else. So getting these guests that came on, I was thankful for that, that folks like, you know, uh, Milestone and these other groups came on that typically would have been seen as competitors. They helped us navigate it, and hopefully we helped some other folks along the way navigate it. But, yeah, it's it's been a... It's been an interesting year for the podcast. You know, in the last few weeks, we've been kind of slack, and 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 it's mostly on me just being slammed. But we we haven't been as uh, diligent at rolling out episodes, and you know, I'm I'm excited to get back to more of a normal cadence in the new year. But yeah, it's this is hopefully making a difference in people's lives. But I want everyone listening to know it also makes a difference in our lives when we hear the positive feedback when we um, have to research a topic. That we may be, you know, we pretend to be experts on everything on this show, but there, there are episodes where we're like, we need to do an episode on this, and no one really fully deeply understands it. So we have to go do the research and roll up our sleeves and learn it so that we can share it. And and that that's helped us be better marketers along the way. It helps us keep our, our swords sharp. So, yeah, a lot of positive. Speaking of marketing, can I do my number three? For sure. <laughs> so um, I noticed during 2020 that a lot of our clients started using tactics, a lot of which we recommended, but they haven't implemented in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think some of these things will be effective even when we return to quote unquote normal. But, you know, here's just, I have a little list here of things that I, that we kind of started implementing more so this year for, for a lot of clients is preventing cancellations um, by offering, you know, upgrades or changing dates or, vouchers, etc. Um, outreach to guests who have canceled either via phone or via email to try to get them to book again, preventing cancellations. Um, remarketing was used for the first time for many, many clients trying to target either canceled guests or maybe even guests who have reached the booking engine or a portion of the website but didn't end up making a booking. Um, these these type of new campaigns were now being used this year. Um, a lot of it was promoting safe travel, but in the future we get to be more creative and and try to bring those guests back in other ways. It isn't like simply promoting the the safety of travel. Um, uh, Stuart, I think you mentioned it earlier, but specifically targeting certain markets, um, especially you know your drive markets for weekend getaways. That was that was huge earlier this year, and it definitely will continue. But I think it opened the eyes to a lot of hoteliers that geo targeting works and different messaging to different markets works. Um, I also like the the invention of schoolcations and workcations. 
I think that should continue no matter no matter what pandemic or no pandemic. I think that's just a fun idea. Uh, partnerships with other local businesses. Um, it was seen as needed this year uh, when your hotel needed a restaurant partner or you know vice versa something like that where you needed a a partnership with another local business to to help out in some other way. Uh, always always look out for partnerships. And my favorite one was, you know, it started out a necessity, but cross-training employees. Uh, a lot of employees of hotels took on roles they never thought they would have, that they were not hired for. But at the end of the day, that cross-training of a hotel employee is going to do wonders for the business as a whole because everybody knows what, what everyone else is doing and how important their job is and how hard other people's jobs are. But it, it, it kind of gets everybody involved and, and everybody committed to, to the same same goal. Yeah, and I think to that that specific point, seeing the collaboration between different disciplines, you know, revenue, sales, and marketing kind of coming together to navigate the situation is is something I really hope sticks because it, it makes you as a group a lot smarter, more agile more in line, more, more effective. So that, that's and, really and marketing and operations too. You know, I think the, yeah. the uh, partnership between marketing teams and, and operation teams within, within hotels, it, it's so valuable. And I feel like a lot of hotels learned that this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a bunch of others like uh, in line with what you're talking about too, where people have just gotten more, um, again, to what I said at the beginning, the deliberate with their targeting and things. So, Email campaigns, like I, I would say, we saw more progress this year with a lot of our clients that do email than we had in the last three or four years combined. Because people are now embracing segmentation; they're embracing using their segmented lists as um, as a, a remarketing list on their paid advertising through our syndication piece of our CRM. So people have just gotten smarter and more effective at marketing. Um, and it comes down to doing more with less, like was just said, it comes down to being more deliberate and learning new things. So yeah, it all kind of ties together. Alrighty. So that's your number three. So I guess, um, so my, right. My number three. Yeah. So my number three was, I am thankful for the value of relationships And, and this is multifaceted. So take me a while to kind of unpack this a little bit, but first off, I think, you know, had you told me at the beginning of the year I was going to spend so much time with my kids, I would have probably said, oh, that's going to be tough. We're going to be at each other's throats, and it's it's going to get ugly. But I really enjoyed Now, i got a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old boy, and we just had a great year. And like I've gotten to know them on a, on a level that I didn't know before. I've got to see them mature. In, in some ways, they've kind of not grown up as quick as I think they would have had they, had they not had this year. So, you know, family the relationships there, my wife too, I'd say the same, we've gotten closer because of, you know, spending so much time together. So that's been great. But other relationships too, and this, this is where it kind of gets tangible for you guys is, you know, networking, understanding the value of being connected to other people in the industry that know what's going on, that can share information, can share data, can share wisdom, um, to help you be a better marketer. Like I really have appreciated the value of that, how it can unlock doors, um, and then to your point a minute ago, Phil, the value of the relationships with commu- the community, you know, whether you're, whether it's your local DMO, whether it's other businesses, um, you know, we, 
everyone at the beginning was saying we're all in this together, right? And that was kind of overplayed a little bit. And, and people were making out like this was a really big high school musical choreographed dance and we're all in sync. But that wasn't really the reality. We were trying to all survive. But our tribe, the people we surround ourselves, the relationships we build, we are in this together and we are rooting for each other. And I would say that that's, you know, that includes the fuel nation that's out there that's listening to this. You fellow honorary fueligans that are listening. I, I value this relationship. I love hearing the, the positive feedback from you and that we made a difference. So every relationship you have is important. But this year, I really have appreciated the value of those. And I've, I've really been deliberate and made an effort to reach out to people, the people that I would normally see on a regular basis, you know, people in the industry that I maybe see at speaking events and conferences, just picking up the phone and having a conversation. How are you doing? How's the family? Um, that's That's been something that's really helped me get through this, you know, because it's it's been a challenging year and there are times when, you know, it's it's gotten to me psychologically and it's, I've been exhausted and it's just, you know, I'm done and I want to throw in the towel and then you're talking to other people that are going through the same thing is, is one of the most um, valuable things to me over the last several months. And you guys included in that, the, my Fueligan relationships have helped me out a lot. So the value in relationships is my last one. It, it's funny because that kind of leads into <clears throat> kind of what I want to look forward to in 2021. And that was my very first one was the fact that I've really gotten to know, even though I haven't seen most of my clients in person in a very, very long time, I feel like I've gotten to know everyone so much better. You know, whether it's, you know, one of our clients has a corgi and you'll hear it barking on our call, or you'll hear someone, you know, talking about their kids while they're at home and things like that. You start to get to know people beyond just work. And what it does is kind of broken down a lot of those barriers that were there when we're face to face, but by having to be more compassionate of, you know, people's work schedule, having to be more compassionate of someone can't come in because someone might be sick in their family or or just things change. Everyone's been a lot more flexible and relates to people beyond just that business level of I need you to get this done. It has been more of a relationship. And like I said, even though I haven't seen people, the fact that I've communicated with them and seen them over video in a non-work environment has really been awesome. And that's kind of one of the things I, I hope does continue in 2021, regardless of what happens from a vaccine perspective or what, being able to have that walls broken down type relationship where you can say what you think and you can better engage with everyone around you. It's nice. Well, you can be yourself, right? Because it's reciprocated. Not only are they letting their walls down, but you're letting yours down. You're not always business Pete, you know? Yeah. And, and Honestly, um, out of out of work, Pete is way more fun than buttoned up suit, Pete. Right. So, <laughs> you, the fact that you get people get to see the real you, I think, is is great. And so, yeah, and yeah, it's nice be, being able to start drinking at one or so is is a real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed getting to see a glimpse into people's real lives outside yeah. of work. It's been fun. Yeah. That's a good one, Pete. I think that's kind of like you know. It, it, at some point, things are going to go back to more normal, but we should look at the things that we can get over, the bad things. But also, let's look at all these blessings that we've gotten. Yeah. You know, being able to work from home is is really been nice and it's been productive. And trying to keep a little bit of that moving as we get into the future is, is something that gives us a better life-work balance that I think everyone can can benefit from trying to keep on 
on the radar. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm so ready to get back to the office though, and and have that kind of community spirit that yes. we, is a little lacking. I mean, we have it still kind of online and chats and stuff, but it's it's not the same. I miss seeing Quite Phil insane. shoot a Nerf gun at Alyssa's head. Like I miss that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, it still happens. It's just in the living room instead of. Right. I don't I don't see it anymore. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I miss our pole pole. <laughs> Might oh. need to explain that because we do have an audience we're talking to. <laughs> Right. So in our physical office, when we get back there, there is literally a pole in the middle of all of our cubes that is um, painted with whiteboard paint so that we can write on it. And frequently you will find a question of some type up on the pole, sort of like a would you rather kind of question or what do you think about this? And then you vote using a picture of yourself on one side or the other of the poll. And I really miss that because really we have the most random discussions. Yeah, to, to put does. it in perspective, the poll has a countdown to Christmas and it says 273 days on it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so sad. Isn't that it? Really That's how long sad. it's been going on. Wow. wow. Oh, way to bring down the energy, man. I miss that too. So, yeah, anyway, and we, we sort of tried to do it digitally at the beginning, but it wasn't the same. It didn't spur the conversations that the old poll did. The, no. What Melissa's not telling you is there was a front side and a back side to the, the poll. The front side was customer facing and HR facing. The back side of it was, was probably a little more for internal use and maybe. Stuart, how sub- dare you tell HR that there's a the back subject, side of the HR poll. doesn't listen to this. It's okay. <laughs> um, but the subject matter on the reverse of the poll was, was usually a little more um, questionable, I'd say, than the, the front side of the poll. Some would say NSFW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they would. But our work's a little different. That's okay. So that's what I was thankful, looking forward to in 2021. You know, hopefully everything becomes stays more human, and we can use all the things that we learned from 2020 and carry those into 21 as well. Yep, love it. That's my thankful list. Who who else is who else is looking forward to something, or hopeful, or wishes for something? I pick just one thing. I got really stuck on this. I, I just couldn't, like, things are just so crazy this year that I can't pick just one thing I, that I'm hopeful for in 2021. I I also would like to get back to the office on at least a part-time basis and see some human beings that don't bark at me. That would be nice. <laughs> we um, can bark or- at you if you want. I mean, <laughs> you just have to say the word. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see our clients back in green numbers again year over year. That would be fantastic. I would love to see that for everyone. I just, yeah, I'd like to see New York City have more than 10% occupancy. There, I mean, I could go on and on. I want all the things. Melissa, mine was kind of similar to yours. Oh, but wait, wait. I just learned something else that I want. <laughs> Okay. Uh, literally just an hour ago, I learned about Fruity Pebbles cheesecake. And if somebody could deliver a $79 cheesecake to me with Fruity Pebbles in it, that'd be great. Melissa, I'll make that cheesecake for you. Are you going to pay me $79? I, I might think about it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm in too. Pay, pay me $79 and uh, you'll get a cheesecake with some... Pete now will show up in aprons and chef hats with a Fruity Pebbles cheesecake. <laughs> 
<laughs> I digress. You go on, Phil. So mine is pretty similar. It's, and it was like, you know, what am I looking forward to in 2021? And I said, other than the travel industry rebounding, <laughs> not much. I mean, I want, I want all of our clients and, and us to rebound and, and be back in, back in good graces. But, and then I kind of cheated with the second half. I said that I'm looking for hoteliers to continue their guest communication, uh, keep keep hospitality at the <laughs> forefront and be empathetic to your guests and use your newfound marketing tactics in new ways. So I just reiterated all the first things. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. That's the kind of stuff I would usually do. I really I find that very amusing. Um good one. So so my mine's gonna take a little turn and I'm gonna get on my plinth in a second. But um you know, uh, in addition to wanting everyone and looking forward to everyone re- doing positive reviews of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast and then switching from their sucky booking engine to a, an amazing fuel booking engine, my, mine is what you, buy, you guys have already said. I mean, I'm looking forward to, and I'm very hopeful that this is the reality, that we're going to see recovery of society overall and, you know, more specifically the hospitality industry. I think travel is, is a gift that, it can't be understated in the value and the fact that it's been taken away from us for the most part this year, I think has really hurt the fabric of, of all of our communities. And so I'm really looking forward to people being free to travel. And to me, that there's a very good chance that there's a path to, towards that. And, you know, that is in the form of vaccines. And Melissa, you've heard, heard me rant about this twice. I think Phil and Pete, you heard me on the company meeting talk about this, but uh, but I think we have a responsibility as a as a content producer and as a thought leader in this industry to to set the tone on this. And the reality is, you know, we're we're here in North America, we're we're a few days away from the first vaccines being deployed. And th- there's a truth that I don't think anyone can deny, and that is, if we do nothing, if we continue along the path we're going, coronavirus is going to be here for a long time. There is no recovery under the current conventional thinking, right? Whether people choose to wear masks or not, whether we socially distance or not, it's very clear that coronavirus is going to be around for a long time and we're going to continue to have restrictions on travel and commerce in general. So to me, the the only, the single only way forward for us to get back on our feet as a society and as a hospitality industry is through a successful deployment of vaccinations, of, of safe ineffective vaccinations and so you know we we need to rally together as an industry to to educate ourselves to make sure that we're making not blind faith decisions and just shooting the first thing into our arms that comes along without knowing the you know what the risks and the side effects are but to understand through real information not not opinion pieces that this vaccine or that vaccine is effective is safe um, and we need to encourage everyone to go and get that vaccine at that appropriate time for them, because until we get 70 to 80 percent of the population vaccinated, we're going to be living in this perpetual hell. And so the only single thing we can do right now is hope and pray that the vaccines are effective. Look at the data, educate ourselves and then go get the bloody vaccine. And when we do take photos and videos of ourselves doing it and share the crap out of that on all of our channels and encourage other people to do the same. Because until we get to that 70 to 80% tipping point, we don't have a hospitality industry. It doesn't exist. And we can go through 2021 
just like we went through 2020 and more people will lose their jobs, more people will lose their businesses and their sense of purpose. And, and to me, this is primed for the hospitality industry to take a lead on this, to be the beacon of light in the entire world and say, we're going to stand up and we're going to get behind this effort and we're going to show people how it's done because at the center of hospitality is putting other people in front of yourself. It's serving others. It's, it's doing what's right by the community. And there's nothing more um, in line with that than having a vaccine. Yes, it might make you feel sick for a couple of days. Yes, there may be some risks. Um, but putting yourself out to help others, to help society in this case, to help our industry, is is the quintessential spirit of hospitality. And so I encourage everyone, regardless of what you feel about vaccines, to, to, to educate yourself, to, to understand and recognize your own personal biases, understand where your information sources are, and to, to not just base your decisions, your actions, and your comments on, you know, tweets or conversations you have with a guy at the pub, but to actually do the research, educate and equip yourself to make ed the right decision for you and your family and help get this industry back on its feet. Um, so that's my hope, that we embrace a safe, responsible vaccine, that we all get it, that we all encourage everyone else to get it. And if we do, I mean, the reality is we can all be back to somewhat normal by May or June of 2021, in which case a lot of ho hotels are going to have a lot of business because there's going to be a massive tidal wave of demand that will really make 2021 a, a, a block and 2022 a blockbuster year for everyone in the hospitality industry. So that's that's my hope and dream. And we can all do our part by speaking up and supporting vaccinations in a safe and responsible, non-reckless manner. So that is it. That's my plinth. I'm going to step off my plinth now. <laughs> That was, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. But I agree. Yeah, it's tough, right? I get, I get it's complex. What the one thing I don't want to happen, which I, I've got a feeling it could, and we've got to try to stop it because it happened. I, I went on this rant a little bit on Lauren's show earlier today, and someone started bringing up masks and, and other things that have been divisive. You know, even the existence of coronavirus is is divisive to some folks, right? And so. We, we don't want to conflate these conversations, right? Regardless of whether you think that the death toll is 260,000 people or if that's vastly exaggerated and it's, it's somewhere a lot lower than that and not much worse than the flu, regardless, the municipalities, the governmental institutions are not going to unlock things until they believe that we've got this thing under control and we're not going to get this under control, period, until the majority of people are vaccinated or a very minimum all at-risk people are vaccinated. So regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of what you think about masks or coronavirus in general, if you love the hospitality industry, if you want to get things back to normal, the, the thing you can do more than ever anything else is not go and write an opinion piece on Twitter or on Facebook or tell people why they're wrong. It's go get a bloody vaccination and then tell everyone else that you did it. Like that, that's the thing you can do right now to, to put us back on our feet. So go do it and stop being stupid. So, yeah, man. You and you're going to hear me say this a lot over the next few months. I, I, I warn you now. It's all right. Preach. Yeah. And I don't like needles. I don't want to get an injection, but, you know, 
It's the right thing to do. Tasty way to do it. Yep. All right. Well, I felt like I brought brought it down. Someone needs to bring us back up. Anyone got anything fun? All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. This is kind of probably should have been a newsaroo as well. I don't know if it'll necessarily bring us up, but did you guys hear about that giant cheese factory explosion in France? No. No. There was debris everywhere. That's <laughs> 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 oh. all I got. <laughs> Get that's a really good dad joke. Is kind of French that, cheese. That, that's a solid dad joke, and I'm, I'm filing that one away. Keep and we know we, we know we have some French listeners, too, so hopefully they appreciate that. They're going to say he said it wrong. Yeah, that's not how it's pronounced, <laughs> Pete. I loved it, Pete. Well done. Thanks, man. Hey, I got one for you. Okay. What do you call a hen that's good at arithmetic? I don't know. A mathematic chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. See, everybody, you didn't think you were going to get any jokes today, and now you got two. Two yeah. for the price of one. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a dead, dead joke on the show. So yeah, you got you got one one rant and and two jokes. I mean, I think that's a good good ratio. So we'll try to keep it to that. There you go. Cool. All righty. Well, we'll let you guys go that are listening. We appreciate you tuning in as always. If you want to leave us a review, we would love that. Uh, but also, if you want to learn more about fuel, you can go to fueltravel.com. And Melissa, if they want to learn more about you or have a conversation about chickens and their mathematical skills, where can they do that? You can find me on LinkedIn at Melissa Cavanaugh, K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. Or if you rather, I am also on Twitter at M-A Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. It'd be funny if you spelled it different on the two channels. That would be really funny and kind of dumb on my part. Yeah, it would. All right. uh, Phil. Um, and you're not changing diapers, where can they find you? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just search my name. Be there. Phil Fariska, everyone. <laughs> you know people that listen to the show don't know our names. It's it's really funny when they're like, I know I like that one person that and they never know our names. So Phil Fariska. Right. Well, yeah. research. We do a lot of research. You guys can research. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Throwing the audience under the bus. He's an angry elf. <laughs> yeah, he is. Must be from South Pole. All right. Uh, Pete. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Pete DeMeo or on LinkedIn at LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Pete DeMeo slash. <laughs> <laughs> slash slash. Awesome. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Um, if, if you want to send us in what the things that you're thankful for this year or the things you're looking forward to for uh, 2021, and you can shoot us an email, info at fueltravel.com, and we'll read that out on the show in a future episode. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Raccoons are assholes, and let me tell you a story. So, when that guy came to set the traps, um, he put like a can of tuna in the back of the trap. The rat, the raccoon, looked like he swallowed a damn basketball. Was so big, 
He crawled halfway into the trap, left his legs out the back, scooped the can of tuna back to himself, and wiggled back out of the trap, didn't get caught in it, let the door slam. I'm watching this out my front window. And he takes it, stands up on two legs like a human, jumps up on the railing, climbs up the gutter, tuna in hand, and goes and sits on top of like the roof right, right by me. And I went outside to go check on it. And I'm standing out there about two minutes later, empty can of tuna gets tossed down next to the roof right by my feet. And the raccoon takes off full meal, didn't get caught. I hate raccoons. 